while I truly believe that CRA is not just a group of horrible humans trying to steal your money, um, they're really clear on you can't have your cake and eat it too. I'm Lindsay, mom of two active boys on the West Coast and believe there's no reason for money to be ugly. I love helping busy moms make it pretty without using cash envelopes or coupons. I'm Megan. Me and my husband, we have four kiddos and I relate more to the dad role than the mom. And I'm an HGTV loving, oversharing finance nerd. Together we host the Money Stuff with Moms podcast. We understand the hashtag mom life but we also can appreciate the big picture adulting responsibilities like money. In this podcast, we invite you to be a part of our no fluff, fun conversations that will give you helpful on the go finance tips. Even if it's just to peek behind the curtains to hear about what we are doing with our money. Hey everybody, thanks for joining us for another episode of Money Stuff with Moms. Megan and I have just been talking about uh, filing taxes and like the the stress people go through. I know for me, um, it is a stressful time, not because of it's complicated. It's just one more thing that I have to do in a week when I'm already doing more than I can handle. Anybody else feel like that? Um, and Megan does tax returns for her her clients. So on top of doing her taxes, she also has to do hundreds of others. And uh, I I know that when I talk to my clients, I see the same confusions, the same stresses, the same mistakes over and over. Um, and so I was just saying to, to Megan, like, why don't, you, why don't we share some of those things that you saw over and over in those hundreds? How many did you do? You did a lot. I don't know. It's hard to tell because I consider each house a client and mm-hmm. each house might have one person mm-hmm. or it might have four people. So I think like my number of houses was about 130. So if I were to just for estimate, say like times that number by two, maybe it's about 260. Yeah, that's a lot. It is. It's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So what, what did you see happen? Mm -hmm. Like what did, what were the issues that you saw? Okay. So this, the thing, some of the things that were new for this year was in 2022, a lot of Canadians repaid a social service benefit. So if they got too much um, CERB or they received the CERB and the CRB at the same time, because there was like that weird transition period. I can just hear listeners being like, (laughs) the same way. So when Uh I was, because the tricky thing is I have this tax practice, but it's, I help a variety of different types of families. So I could be helping, um, you know, a single mid twenties, um, works in a restaurant, trying to figure out what his next step is, you know, go back to school, keep going at the restaurant. Like, what is he doing? Like mm-hmm. just starting off his like adulthood life. Mm-hmm. But I'm also working with families who have substantial incomes, you know, 200 plus a year, have a numerous rental properties 
Um, and a $200 repayment for CERB or whatever the social benefit was mm-hmm. feels very different to my young single guy than it does to my corporate. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's the same dollar amount. It's the same, you know, I think on average it was about a $2,000 repayment mm-hmm. that I saw, but that $2,000 definitely means so much more to some families than it does Mm -hmm. to others Mm -hmm. so I did see that was the first time I mean I professionally seen that I don't know if that's happened in the past too where there were social benefits with repayments needed um I didn't like that (laughs) yeah yeah but you're right that conversation has uh come up a lot because mm-hmm. a lot of Canadians found themselves in that situation that you know they read all the rules they thought that they qualified they started getting this money during the pandemic um and then when everything shook out they didn't qualify for some or all of it and uh is there anything that um will so we are now in 2023 moving forward uh, did you see any indication that that pattern would be repeated or now that we're through the pandemic and people have done the repayment or set up a repayment plan or however they dealt with it, is that like buttoned up and we won't have that issue moving forward? That's a good question. Assuming really... that we don't have another pandemic. <laughs> I, I mean, I can't really say for sure, but it seems like the majority of those payments were made in 2021, 2022, Mm -hmm. and then got um, reassessed or that reevaluation period was in 2022. Yeah. It's not to say that it's not an ongoing process. I I really am not a hundred percent. It feels to me like, yeah, those, those reassessments, you know, things have been reconciled. Um, you know, on, on CRA side of who owes and how much they owe and, um, and that we're done with that. Um, and so people who did receive CERB, um, like most of them, I would assume are now in a position where they know whether or not they have, you know, they owe something back and they're dealing with it. Um, but hopefully not something that will continue to plague <laughs> Canadians yeah. uh, moving forward. Let's hope that that's all taken care of now. Yeah, let's hope so. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that I found that a lot, some people found surprising was if in 2022, they worked multiple jobs or did a transition, maybe just left one career and went to another, is they didn't realize that across their multiple jobs, their jobs weren't communicating to each other, that there was an income being received somewhere else, which is totally normal. Super normal. Yeah. So the fact that you worked, let's say, at a reception desk, but also um, on weekends did maybe a restaurant job, those two jobs aren't talking to each other. And Mm -hmm. they're both charging you the tax, the income tax, which is appropriate for their position that you have there. Yes. But when you combine them, you're now bumped up into a higher tax bracket. Yeah. And so uh, that is something to keep in mind when you have that multiple revenue stream is yeah. making sure that you're taxed appropriately mm-hmm. or just to be prepared that you're going to potentially owe in April because 
there was not, there's nothing, I don't want to be the messenger. I don't want to say, oh, you thought you were getting a refund. You know, I got some good news and bad news. The good news is your taxes are done. The bad news is you owe thousands of dollars. Totally, totally. And, and by then there's nothing we can do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's done at that point. It's done. So I don't, I don't like that part. Mm-hmm. Um, I always like to be the messenger of good news. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, So for those who are working two incomes and, or or two jobs have more than one income source um, and found themselves in an owing position, um, if you could talk to them about what to do for 2023, or if you could have rewound time, how would you have suggested that they set themselves up better? Okay. So there's Yeah. So there's a couple different ways they could go about it. The first way, which is, I feel like to most people's appetite is just to go to their work and say, oh, can you take an extra whatever dollar amount off or just a heads up? I'm actually in this tax bracket, but you're um, taxing me at this tax bracket. So can you make whatever adjustment you need to do on the payroll side of things? The other thing that you could do is just know that you're going to owe and put that money aside and just plan to owe it. Um, You could also do some RSP deposits if that makes sense for your financial situation Mm -hmm. um, because the RSPs will help bump you down in that um, tax bracket. Yeah, and there's, it's 2023, you guys. There is technology all around us. There's so many great websites that you can go and plug in your combined income for the province that you uh, live in, and it will tell you your tax bracket and what you will owe um, based on those taxes. Um, Some of them, many of them also have a field where you can put in your RSP contributions. Um, And so like just go and you go and play with that. Um, If that is not something that you're comfortable with, ask the person who did your taxes or an accountant or your financial advisors. Maybe somebody can answer that question for you um, if if you don't uh, feel comfortable doing it yourself. But there's great websites. So, you know, if you made $5,000 extra at one place uh, on top of your full-time income, pop online income tax calculator in Google, and one of them will will come up. Um, Then look at your pay stub or or your T4 or whatever from the previous year from your main employer, find out how they're taxing you. Um, Just add up the difference. And and, uh, that conversation with an employer um, is generally pretty quick and easy if you work for a place that has somebody doing payroll. Mm -hmm. If you're like working at a real small mom and pop shop they may have never been asked to to have taxes taken off before um and that might be a a situation where yeah you just want to do it on your own um if it was one of my clients that we were working on um uh, bank account budgeting strategy we would open up a bank account and call it income tax and Mm -hmm. automatically deposit or manually for that matter um each paycheck or every month so the money is there and we'd probably use a some type of high interest savings account for that because why not make some money on that money mm-hmm. um, or or do the RSP contributions like you mentioned. So yeah, I think anytime there's more than one um, source of income, mm-hmm. it's something that people need to think about um, and the sooner the better because it's yeah. easy to, it's easy to mitigate. Um, yeah. 
it's really easy to mitigate. And moms, especially, um, most moms who had EI for their maternity leave um, have been in this situation before, right? EI is famous for this. Um, so most of you have probably had a situation where you didn't get back as much as you thought you were going to, where you owed more than you thought you were going to. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so, yeah, moving forward, anytime you're getting an additional income, uh, make sure that that's being planned for ahead. Nobody needs the headache in April. No, absolutely not. And even if you are planning to owe, like you have that expectation, mm -hmm. it still really sucks. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Nobody I, likes paying. No. So I like the idea of just consistently not only asking your employer or um, making those RSP contributions. I also do like the idea of having that small, maybe, um, I don't know. I don't want to throw like numbers out there because everyone's situation is going to be different. Yeah. But just like every time you get paid from um, one of them or maybe both mm -hmm. of them, just put away a little bit of that mm -hmm. into an account that's like a just in case I owe in April account. Totally. Yeah. And if you have an employer that has an RSP matching program, <laughs> um, that's a great opportunity there as well, right? Mm -hmm. um, make sure that uh, if you're talking to them about how much tax is coming off, you can also have that conversation about the RSP matching program that they offer um, and, uh, and use that in your, in your decision making as well, because those, those can be really great. Yeah. And that's an a good thing that you brought up because I had a number, like more than usual number of clients who were offered bonuses in 2022. I think with the current mm -hmm. unemployment rate and the lack of um, qualified workers and, and all the things happening in our economy right now, I think employers are really incentivizing their current staff to stay with them to hope mm -hmm. hopefully everybody's happy and don't want mm -hmm. to jump ship um but there was a significantly more clients getting bonuses and if they had an rsp group program with their job they actually could have taken that whole bonus put it in their rsp um which is something that I was exposed to at my last job mm -hmm. where all I made the conscious decision that every single bonus, except for my Christmas bonus went to immediately to RSPs. I didn't mm -hmm. know how much I was getting. I didn't want to know any of those details because I'm the kind of person that if I know I'm getting some money, I already am thinking about a list of things mm -hmm. that I can spend that money on. Mm -hmm. um, but if you put it all in RSPs, you get to keep the whole thing. Yeah. If you get it paid out as a part of your paycheck, you're likely going to lose, you know, potentially 40% of it. A big chunk of it. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's another, portion. Um, yeah, that's another example of bumping up to, into the next tax bracket, right? You're going <clears> to <throat> often, depending on, on the size of the, um, the bonus, of course, but uh, yeah, you pay a lot of that in taxes. <laughs> Yeah, taxes is every single person's biggest expense. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really important to 
understand how it works. You don't need to be like an expert in it, but just Mm -hmm. the idea that the more money you make, the more taxes you pay, but there are some opportunities to save yourself some money. Well, current use of money anyways. Yeah. And I know, um, I mean, moving on from that, I know you work with a lot of clients who have rental properties. Mm -hmm. Uh, What did you, or what do you see on an every year basis? What did you see this year that could have made it better for them? What could Mm -hmm. they have done? What mistakes are being happened? What confusions happened? Yeah. Uh, So a lot of the real estate investors that I work with had a significant amount of interest expense, which was unfortunate, but helpful with their situation. Right. Um, If they had a new acquisition, so a new purchase in 2022, mm-hmm. or they're new to the game in general, mm-hmm. a lot of people don't realize that those acquisition costs, like the legal fees, the land transfer costs, pretty much anything that is incurred prior to you getting the property, as well as getting a tenant in there, is actually not a tax deduction. It's an ad- addition to the value of the property. So if I were to have bought, let's use simple numbers. I know this, these aren't realistic. If I were to have bought a rental property for a hundred thousand dollars in 2022, and let's say my land transfer fees was a thousand, my legal fees was another thousand, all these fees on top of that, let's say they came up to uh, $5,000. Instead of my property being worth $100,000, $100,000, which is what I paid for it, mm-hmm. according to CRA, it's worth 105. Right. Because I, those costs have to go somewhere. And most people think they're a deduction, but they aren't a deduction. They're mm-hmm. in addition to capital. Mm-hmm. And so what that means is when you go to sell the property, let's say I sell it for 120, I'm not taking the difference in my purchase price of 100 from the 120. I get to include those additional fees of the 5,000. So it's, it's a $15,000 capital gain okay. instead of a full 20 right. capital gain. I think that's really important to realize how that translates um, to the capital gains piece, like how these things at the beginning of the purchase make a difference at the end of the purchase, like the the sale of it. Mm -hmm. Everybody thinks that, um, you know, CRA is just this group of like nasty humans who are trying (laughs) to steal your money. Um, And if there's something like that, where like you thought you were going to use this expense as a deduction, it doesn't feel good. And it feels Mm -hmm. like you've been cheated. Um, But if you just sit in it long enough to understand that it actually can be beneficial in on the back end, that you're only paying capital gains in your numbers, you know, your example on 15,000 instead of 20,000, like that's a good thing. CRA is not a bunch of awful humans trying to steal your money. Um, They might not be your best friends either, but (laughs) they're they're, uh, they're not awful humans that are just out to, uh, to get you. 
That's um, right. You know? and the, yeah. And when it comes to your rental property too, there's a lot of like easy to claim expenses, like things that you, it's really easy to find the statement. And if you can't find the statement, you can make a phone call, check online. Yes. Those are things like utilities, property taxes, um, insurance, like those yeah. expenses that I feel are low hanging fruit. Absolutely. Then you also have expenses that I call pain in the butt expenses, and you mm -hmm. are 100% entitled to claim these expenses. They are things like vehicle expenses. Um, right. I office expenses, like claiming office space kind yeah. of expenses. I you are entitled to claim them. And I don't yeah. want to discourage or encourage like it's everyone's personal preference, yeah. but if you get audited and they decide to pick that vehicle line item, mm -hmm. you have to not only show proof that the number that you claimed on there matches your receipt. You also have to provide a log book yes. showing how many kilometers of every trip right? Of every single trip you've taken from the beginning of January to December 31st. And they are identified as either for the rental or for personal, for the rental or for personal. And that to me, I, depending on how much you spend on your vehicle and depending on how many kilometers you use your vehicle for your rental property, like, let's say it saves you a hundred dollars. Now to me, that not worth it. <laughs> no, not worth it. No, worth it. no, absolutely. Yeah, I would definitely put that in the pain in the butt or the uh, the PETA <laughs> category. It's just not worth it. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I also believe it's not worth it. And some investors also want to claim their office expense, which they are a hundred percent entitled to do. Yeah. Uh, but in order to do that, you need to have an accurate square footage reading of the room that you use. It needs to be deemed reasonable. So you need to actually need an office to conduct your real estate business. So mm -hmm. if you have potentially one single family home, that takes maybe, you know, five hours a year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you've done all this work of gathering all your bills and, and yeah. figuring out the square footage to save yourself. I don't know how many dollars just to find out that CRA is not going to allow it because five hours a year in an office no. doesn't make sense for That's your one reasonable. single family home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people often think, you know, whether it's rentals or other <clears throat> side hustles that now they get to write off all these things because they're doing some, some work at home. It doesn't work like that. <laughs> it doesn't work like that, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. If it were easy, everyone would just do that, right? Like yeah. if it works like that, everyone would just do it. Um, and I hear a lot of people saying, well, my accountant lets me do it. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's a real big pitfall for Canadians. Um, your accountant does not speak for CRA. Uh, and so at the end of the day, like accounts ha have to abide by certain standards. And also anybody can call themselves an accountant. It's not an accredited word. CPAs yes. are mandated by their professional organization. Mm -hmm. um, so that kind of is uh, almost like a stamp of approval, but also yes. the accountants are vessels for the client. Yes. So 
just because this one professional allows you to do it when at the end of the day, you signed off on your taxes. That's right. Yeah. It wasn't their signature on your tax file. It's not to say that they wouldn't be reprimanded because they're likely, especially if they do have an association with a professional organization, that Mm -hmm. organization will deal accordingly. Mm -hmm. But CRA is indifferent on who helped you or who gave you the advice. Mm -hmm. All they know is you signed off on it. Yeah. Yeah, people will often have the the thought that, you know, if if CRA assesses them or audits them or charges them, you know, more than they were expecting, um, that somehow their accountant, you know, you know, quotes around the word accountant, depending on who they're actually working with, um, will have some sort of like responsibility or liability in that transaction. And they don't. Um, they don't at all. So and a lot of people will be using um, somebody who's not a CPA to do their taxes, right? CPA's knowledge really becomes valuable when you have more complicated situations. For somebody with a few T4s, a CPA doesn't, their knowledge isn't really all that valuable because <laughs> the file is just so darn simple. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not complex. They're dealing in trusts and corporations and, you know, all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. um, the CPAs. And that's where their fees um, are like, that's where their advice is just so valuable um, in, and, and you're willing to pay the fees for it. Um, but if you are using, you know, just your average ordinary tax preparer, um, it's really important to know that just because they accepted something does not mean that it's allowable by CRA. Um, that's up to you to either ask them if they have the knowledge on it um, or go do your own research. Um, yeah, I hear people saying all the time, like, well, I did the fence in my backyard um, and we have a rental downstairs. And I, I claimed those receipts. Nothing happened to me. You can do it too. Well, that just means that CRA hasn't noticed that. (laughs) Yeah. And I also, like, how does that work? Yeah. I also want to caution anybody who lives in the rental property. Um, So anyone who lives in the rental property that they're running because that you're getting the best of both worlds and you need to be super, super careful. So, and what I mean by getting the best of both worlds is you're allowing, you're, you're allowing yourself to be an investor in the property that actually makes you income, Mm -hmm. which is not normal for your primary residence to also pay you a dividend of some kind, not normal, but, but amazing. But the catch is you have to be really careful. You don't lose your primary residence exemption, which as Canadians, if we sell our primary residence, it doesn't matter if we made $1, lost $5,000 or did a, made $100,000. All of those numbers are tax-free if it's your primary residence, mm-hmm. which is a really special exemption that you mm-hmm. want to keep sacred mm-hmm. at all costs. Yeah. Yeah. And by claiming things like, like if it's your primary residence, you're entitled to claim running the rental property as write-offs, like your insurance, your 
um, repairs and maintenance, your utilities, all those things. You can absolutely write mm-hmm. off a portion of those. But capital, meaning an improvement to the property, is something you are not, you're entitled to claim it, but by doing it, you void the, cap, the primary residence exemption. Yeah, it's, people need to realize that um, while I truly believe that CRA is not just a group of horrible humans trying to steal your money, um, they're really clear on you can't have your cake and eat it too. You can't have, like, you can't expect business deductions mm-hmm. and primary residence rules. Um, and obviously, yes, you can for, for portions, but you can't have it all, right? Mm-hmm. You can't have have your cake and eat it too. So be really careful on, yeah, what is, you know, the improving the value of the property, right? When you do the fence in the backyard, the value of your property very likely goes up. Um, or a kitchen renovation in the suite, <laughs> those yep. types of things. Your the value goes up, and if you want your cake and you want to use that expense as a deduction now, um, you can't eat it too, and also expect the um, to not pay capital gains uh, with the the primary resident. Um, exemption so yeah it's yeah. really tricky the other thing that I have seen more of recently and I don't know if it's because somebody has some sort of messaging out there on the interwebs or what's going on is couples who own a rental property not declaring the rental 50 50 mm. so what they'll so let's say we have a single family home um, we make a year after expenses, let's say we make $5,000 a year Mm -hmm. tax-wise, because the other thing to consider is that mortgage payments aren't included in that. Um, Mm -hmm. You can't deduct your mortgage payment. So you make $5,000 a year on this rental property. And instead of saying each person made $2,500, they're like, well, my husband um, owns 10% of it and I own 90% of it. Right. And it's like, how, how did you find, how, what is happening here? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when the year before it was <laughs> the opposite. <laughs> yeah. So I have ran people. into that situation a couple of times with my clients and I've mm-hmm. just remained consistent. So if they came yeah. to me and in the past they were doing, you know, 75, 25, I've maintained that, but I have asked, why did you decide to do this? Who gave you this advice? Mm-hmm. Um, because in the event of a marital breakdown, mm-hmm. who is this, how it would get broken down? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, likely not. Uh, and I would just remain consistent. So I don't know. I just feel like just declare things the way they are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, how much are you really saving by, by doing things not the right way? And I just don't think it's worth it. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Another one that I run into a lot, um, because we have a, I call it my side hustle. 
we turned the suite in our house into a licensed daycare and hired staff. Um, we did that seven years ago and it's been awesome for us. Um, and so a conversation that I have with my daycare owner hat on, <laughs> um, those people don't know what I do actually for a living. They just know me with a, with a daycare hat on, uh, which is hilarious for anybody that knows me in, in real life because I am not a kid person. <laughs> I was not put on this planet to spend my days with children. So uh, it's quite funny that there's people out there that think that I am a daycare person. But anyways, um, so I have a lot of conversations around um, daycare receipts and what a receipt needs to have on it. A lot of people are in a, in a home daycare um, and some tax preparers will ask for a SIN number of the daycare provider and some won't. And there's a lot of uh, questions and confusion around whether or not it, that is, does that come up for you with your clients that have kids? That's a good question. And I feel like, I, in terms of my systems, my clients receive from me a checklist of what I'm looking for. Yeah. Um, and so my clients with kids, I tell them I need the daycare receipt, um, but I don't, I mean, I do want them to have a receipt. I don't physically need to see it. Right. If they have it. That's enough for me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because in the event of an audit, that technically is on them. I'm there to support them if they need help with the audit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, in as part of my practice, I don't ask for the SIN number. Right. I pretty much just care about which kid was it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that needed the childcare? Yeah. What was the child provider's name, whether it was a business or an individual, and how yeah. much was the total? Yeah. Yeah. It's it, because it's one of those things that, yeah, you just need the number for. Um, I think when it comes up is in like in an audit situation, it's the same as, as the, the log for your car. They want to be able to tell that you actually did that, you know, that driving to your rental. Um, they want to know that you actually paid this money obviously that's the point of a receipt Um, however when we're talking about paying an individual versus paying a business um CRA also wants to make sure that that income was claimed by the person that you paid it to (laughs) like it's a bit of a it's a bit of a a circle um, Mm -hmm. for them right that they want to they want to pull that thread and if you are going to use this as a daycare expense they want to make sure somebody else is claiming it as as income Um, And so uh, talk to your, you know, your um, tax professional on how they want to see it. Um, But yeah, that that comes up a lot for us because we're a business and it's all of their receipts are on business overhead or letterhead. It's uh, um, it's simple, but, um, you know, something to show who you paid that that money to Mm -hmm. is really, really important. Um, And it's a big expense. Like this is not one, this is not a deduction that you want to miss. Um, Cause how much can you do per child? In terms of childcare deduction? Yeah. yeah. It used to be 8,000. I don't know if it still is. I don't know. Um, Let me look it up while you're chatting. Yeah. It's a, it's a big one, right? If you have 
two kids, um, if my number is is correct, um, that would be sixteen thousand dollars like of um, of childcare expenses. Um, so you do not want to miss that one, and you also don't want to be claiming it unless you have a proper receipt. Um, because what if you do get audited? right? You have to prove that you paid it. And just coming under your bank account isn't enough. You have to prove who you paid it to. Because um, I can send an e-transfer to Megan and say that she did my child care. Um, would, be, would be hilarious because I'm in BC and she's in Ontario. But um, that just proves my point even more. I could show that I sent her an e-transfer and I could call it daycare, um, but that's not going to suffice. You want to know, you want to be able to show CRA exactly um, which child you paid for, Mm -hmm. is something that I've, uh, um, that I had to fix on my invoices. I wasn't, I wasn't naming the children on my invoices. Um, and one of the parents, um, said that that was, they were, they were assessed. And, uh, that was something that, that CRA had asked for was an invoice with the child's name, not just the, um, not just the parent's name. So all of that information is really important. Yeah. And for anyone who cares, it, there is a maximum and it depends on the age of your child. So age seven and under are 8,000. Okay, just and, 8,000. Yeah, and children between seven and 16 is 5,000. Yes, yeah. And so that would be for like before and after school care or summer camps that were meant for childcare purposes, um, not like a two hour art camp in the middle of the day. <laughs> but if you have a, um, a summer camp that is yep. used for childcare because you went to work, um, then, uh, then those count as well. Um, anything else that you saw that you want to mention before we wrap up? I mean, I can't think of anything right now, but I also maybe one last thing to mention is some people have asked, well, what's like, what's the fine or the penalty or what, what happens mm -hmm. if I file late, yeah. which is like, I don't want anybody to ever feel like embarrassed or whatever like every so many people you know save up tax returns file them late just yeah. life gets in the way before you know it you blink and it's may um so in terms of the numbers if you're getting a refund there's no penalty there's no right. there's no penalty there's no late filing fee your, your CRA will happily keep your refund on file. Mm -hmm. They may after a certain amount of time and by a certain amount of time, I mean like years, send you a letter and say, okay, you haven't done your taxes in long enough. It is time. Mm -hmm. You need to file them now. If you owe, the penalty is going to be number one, a percentage of what you owe. Mm -hmm. So I think in 2020 for the 2022 return, I think it's like 5%. Mm -hmm. So if you owe a hundred dollars, there's going to be a $5 fee on top of that, just for filing late. Mm -hmm. Then what they're also going to do is they're going to charge you interest for every month after that, that it's late. In addition to the interest, they're going to charge you 1% of your balance owing every month after that. <laughs> so mm -hmm. the longer you wait, because CRA is now giving you a loan, because they're saying yeah. you, you owed us $1,000 or $100 or whatever that number was, and you haven't paid it back. So here's the, you know, the cost for borrowing that money yeah, from us. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think it's important for people to realize what that cost is. Because um, I have seen in the past somebody use a line of credit, um, which are now up to 7 to 12 or 13%. Um, so that the cost on the line of credit would be higher than the cost from CRA, depending on when you planned on paying CRA back. Yeah. Um, so that's also a consideration. Um, but in that case, um, that is getting your, your tax return on file with CRA, which means mm-hmm. that you are going to get your CCB every month, which means that if you qualify for GST, you're going, like the things that you need, um, the things that you receive from the government that require a tax return on file in order to get. Um, There's lots of funding out there for people in all different scenarios um, that you miss out on if your taxes aren't filed. So in the case where somebody, um, you know, wasn't going to get some type of benefit, um, that would be that would be part of the decision making process on how quickly you were going to pay it back and how you were going to pay it back if you didn't have the cash put aside. Um, which is just another reason we talked at the beginning about having more than one source of income and using a um, an income tax calculator. Um, you can do that regardless of even if you have one source of income, but you have um, like one job and then you have um, I don't know, income from other sources, um, side hustles or investments, or you can go and do your own estimations on how much you're going to uh, owe. And always, uh, we can just open up a bank account and call it income tax. Or keep it in your main bank account and allocate it in a, you know, in an Excel spreadsheet or something like that. So you know how much has been saved. Um, Or just know that you're going to have to pay and be willing to find it in April to, to pay on time. Um, but it, it's not just for those who have more than one job. It's more than one income source, right? Having an estimation on what you're going to pay. Um, and I, I always bump my numbers up. So if the income tax calculator says I'm going to owe $3,600 at the end of the year, um, I'm going to look at how much, you know, employers and things are are deducting. Um, But I'm going to bump that up to 4,000 just because I like round numbers. And I've never been in a situation in my entire life, nor have any of my clients ever found themselves in a situation where they look in their bank account and they are upset that there's too much money there. Um, so if you have too much money put away in your income tax account, that's okay. I promise you, you will find a different way to spend (laughs) the overage. It is not a problem that any of us have. (laughs) So just bump it up, uh, bump it up a little bit. And, um, I do that not just to make sure that I have the right numbers. I do it because my brain gets fried with so many different numbers and I want to do, um, you know, I want to do 4,000 a year or 400 a month or something that is like easy for my brain Mm -hmm. to understand, uh, versus a 10% with like dollars and cents attached to it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm not interested in that. I just want round numbers. Thanks for spending your time with us today. If you heard anything that piqued your interest, check out the show notes because we probably have some extra deets or links down there. Your homework for today. Go talk to someone about your money. Either your spouse, your kids, your coworker, or a licensed professional. And if you don't like those humans today, we're always talking in Lindsay's Facebook 
group, Black is the New Red. So join us over there. Head over to Facebook, type in Black is the New Red. You'll see so many amazing like-minded individuals in there trying to get better, asking the right questions, supporting one another. We look forward to hanging out with you again on your next dog walk or while you watch soccer practice from the sidelines. Cheers.